So yeah, how's it going today? Ah, uh, well, very well. Good to Please. hear it. I know there's some storms and power outages in the area, and luckily we both kind of managed to avoid that. Yeah, I uh, saw some videos on Facebook of transformers blowing up and lighting houses on fire. So, unlike the singer of Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, I just had to knock on wood. So, (laughs) speaking of, for those of us joining us today, uh, this is Movie Buff Romance with Bob and JR today. I'm Bob. And I'm JR. This one, uh, today's film, 1998's Dirty Work, is a bit of an audible. Because initially, mm-hmm. that uh, new trailer for the next Matrix film was coming out, and movie buff Bromance was going to enter the Matrix. Yeah. But then last Wednesday, we got the news about Norm MacDonald's passing, and uh, mm-hmm. we thought we would talk about Norm today, talk about his uh, less-than-successful star vehicle attempt. <laughs> in yeah. Well, And, you know, I just wanted to tell you that I'm honored that you picked Dirty Work and asked me to to join your show so that we could you know flex our movie buff bromance a little bit and i know you're a man of many such bromances so to to be asked to 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 man the console with you is is awesome so thank you i mean you've been in the trenches with me with some of the worst but also some of the best films i've seen so oh yeah man more than welcome to join me here i do think we owe it to ourselves to do an episode on fighting duel of death Someday. That's going to be one for us. It'll be one that nobody else will listen to. <laughs> yeah, but what What if they do? Yeah, no, true. Maybe somebody else can get some enjoyment out of our pain. A bit of uh, old-fashioned schadenfreude. Yeah, and well, you know, there's one thing I like to do. It's it's flog myself. That's it, and usually it, it can be quite entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what were we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about... Um, Norm Macdonald starring in the Bob Saget directed 1998 Dirty Work. Um, oh yeah, this isn't the one with Dave Chappelle, right? No, that's that's screwed. <laughs> that's the that's the other one everyone's talking about this week. Uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're they're both no screwed is a a special level of bad movie, like the oh. kind of bad movie that only Dave Chappelle could star in. <laughs> Yeah, his early career, he had some some weird ones before he kind of came out on his own, before he came into Half-Baked. He had that. He had his role in, like, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Well, I was going to say, didn't he dumb luck his way into a uh... – oh, man. I just had a uh... – my brain went blank. A Mel Brooks film. There we go. He yeah. dumb lucked his way into a Mel Brooks film. If, if I could pick any director to dumb luck my way into a film with, it would be Mel Brooks. So, you know, more power to him. There's a fun but... party question. Yeah. Well, what, what, which director would you like to dumb luck your way into a role? Okay. Maybe Kevin Smith. <laughs> Although I can't See, say that currently. <laughs> that's the thing. You want to pick one of those directors where you're, you're in one of their movies, and then you're in all of them until the heat death of the universe. That's right. You, you want to become uh, Tarantino's Thurman. Oh, yeah. Like Tarantino will take care of his people. Smith will take care of his people. That's right. Um, you just got to find that one. Adam and Sandler be their kind of people. people. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, actually, Adam Sandler can segue us back into this movie. <laughs> right. A little uncredited cameo, 20 seconds. Yeah. Of time. Yep. Do you yeah. think that that's the creation of little Nikki right there? I don't know if that's the immediate genesis, but I feel like that hit with like another character he'd play on a weekend update. He did a recurring character who'd go to like music festivals yeah. and stuff. Yep. Yep. I feel like those two just kind of came together for a what, metaphorical perfect storm. Was the music festival guy also cross-eyed? Uh, I know he did like the scrunched face and he did the voice for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he did all the affects. But uh, in case you haven't seen it or maybe you haven't seen it in a while, I mean, the movie is nearly 23 years old now. Right. Um. Dirty Work is another film. We keep getting these comedies that turned out to have been adaptations from existing literature. So this one is actually loosely based on a Roald Dahl story called Vengeance is Mine Incorporated, where a couple of friends decide to enact vengeance on a, uh, a local political figure on the behalf of a lot of people he's wronged. People who have like too much social standing to get their hands dirty, but they end up making some money uh, doing that revenge for them. 
So in this story, we've got uh, just a quick rundown. Uh, Mitch is our main character, played by Norm MacDonald. His buddy Sam is played by Artie Lang. And uh, his dad has a uh, heart attack and needs some some heart surgery. And they have to get $50,000 together in the span of like 10 days. So they decide yeah. to do a revenge for hire business because neither of them can really hold down a job. They end up learning something about themselves along the way, you know. Well, we should we should probably be clear about something here because it yeah. wasn't exactly that they needed fifty k for the heart transplant. That no 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 no, no. the the heart no. transplant was going to cost a whole different amount of money. The doctor that was going to put pops on the list was in deep to his bookie, and he needed fifty k. So uh, he he blackmailed the boys. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Farben, played by the good Chevy yes. Chase. Yes. There's something that Sorry. always bothered me about <laughs> his role in him being like this despondent gambler, going through the things that cost him money. One of the people mm-hmm. that cost him money was Mister T. And, yeah. and Norm McDonald's like, you need to tell me you bet on a fight in Rocky Three, and you bet against Rocky. But, in his own movie, yep. But that's not that bad of a bet because Rocky lost in the first film and won in the second. So you're at fifty-fifty right there. That's that's true. That's not horrible when we're talking betting odds you know like flip this coin you want to bet that you're the winner now if you if you're taking that bet when you get to rocky four or something where he's just not human anymore yeah that's that's an issue but what does rocky become you know like goku becomes a super saiyan right Mm -hmm. but what what does rocky become when he ceases to be human uh an italian stallion (laughs) all right all out yeah this movie goes um i said it to you when we were texting about this earlier this movie goes from zero to 90s in no time flat just there's fast. two two major cliche songs that you hear if a movie set in the 90s the first yep. one uh the impression that i get by the mighty mighty boss tones yep and then the second is uh that that intro beat to semi-charm kind of life by third dude, eye dude, blind dude. Do, 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 Yep. That means we're in the 90s. Dead set in the 90s. And this film has both, not like the movie itself, but you get uh, the impression that I get. You get that yes. on the trailer for, for Dirty Work. <laughs> you actually get both of them on the trailer. Oh, it, do- it does semi-charm kind of life on that? Oh, man. Yep. The exact same part. There's one thing that really like got me about the trailer. I mean, one thing is it's definitely like the 90s trailer where it's like, meet Mitch. His life is total shit and everyone hates yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, but it too. Yes, exactly. It has the the higher ranged voiceover guy, not the mm-hmm. we live in a society where things aren't as they seem. You know, it's not that guy. It's Oh man, everything sucks. Yeah, and I don't know which guy I prefer. I think I think this tone kind of fits in this one. It's almost like that. It sounds kind of like the guy who's announcing the Harry Potter marathons on ABC Family. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this weekend for eighty-five hours, all the Harry Potter movies on ABC Family. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought up voiceover guy because he made it into my notes too. Just for the trailer, it's just it's weird because you don't really see those kinds too often anymore. And then also, no. one of the YouTube, um, a couple of them, it was Dirty Work dash Christopher McDonald movie, and that was a slap in the face to me. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's the quintessential '90s foil, right? You need a a, a smarmy, semi bad guy, and it's between 1995 and 1999. Flip a coin, call it in the air. It might be Christopher McDonald. This is true, and it, I mean, this is one of those classic like slobs versus snob stories because Travis yeah, Cole oh, yeah. is hoity-toity real estate developer, and he has the gall <laughs> to like opera. Yeah, not just like this man loves him some that. opera. Yeah, don't get me wrong though; he does he does do some shitty things throughout the course of the movie, but they really play it up like, oh, this this snobby asshole and oh, dude, blah, he's, totally, blah, blah. he's totally boning that dog oh by the way <laughs> hey if you, if you want to see a movie with not one but two shots of a dog getting fucked by another animal dirty work is the movie for you 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of dirty work for a PG-13 film. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. That's what kills me about this is, I mean, the language is toned down. This was obviously written to be an R-rated movie. Yeah. Especially with Bob Saget directing. But the studio pressured him so much into making it a PG-13 movie because like, oh, you know, R-rated comedies don't do well. And then what came out around the same time was there's something about Mary. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> horrible timing. You tell me. I mean, the problem is a lot of things were working against this movie. Like one of them is that it was kind of Norm MacDonald's first vehicle. Mm-hmm. The other one is that it was so close to him being let go from SNL that NBC didn't do any advertising for the, sh- for the movie. <laughs> so theatrically, it didn't make a whole lot of its budget back until it hit home video and found kind of a cult audience. I know um, my, my dad and, and watching SNL reruns are how I found out Norm MacDonald was insanely funny. Um, but I do remember watching this one when I was pretty young and my mother being absolutely disgusted with the way that it talks about women. Honestly, as well, she should be. Because you, <laughs> you did a drinking game where you took a, a shot every time they said a whore or hooker. Wasted like 15 minutes in. That's it, which is actually not too... It's a pretty decent clip into the movie because this movie is only like 82 minutes long. So considering how much like Bob Saget and Norm MacDonald want to push the envelope, do you think getting the word whore and prostitute and whatever manner of those words into the movie as many times as possible while still hitting PG-13, do you think that was like a challenge they were trying to see if if they could they could hit? Oh, like an active, like their, their attempted active rebellion within like the, the framework? Yes, yes, yes. Like their sort of um, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me moment. Right. That's the other thing, though, is because like when it gets to the 90s, I mean, let me tell you, man, you could not take three steps without walking into a dead hooker joke. No, no, not at all. <laughs> they They were a dime a dozen in the 90s. That's kind of what kills me is because there is some heart to the movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of that heart is um, carried by uh, Taylor Howard's car- trailer Howard, right? Kathy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of it's carried by um, her. She does a good performance. She's kind of more grounded. Mm-hmm. She does have that stereotypical, oh, you're such an asshole, and then comes around to it in the end. Um, what I thought was kind of funny is they didn't bring back, because in the beginning of the movie, like when we first hear semi charm kind of life in the film, he's going back to his apartment and he sees his, his uh, apparently now ex-girlfriend just hurling all of his clothes off the balcony. Yeah. Another nineties cliche in, uh, in the beginning of this movie. Cause I thought the, the flashback sequence to start it off um, to meet the main characters mm-hmm. was, was quite nineties of it, which oh, is very. set to, to, mighty mighty boss tones and then the next thing we see is mitch like walking up to his apartment and uh a kid is wearing his montreal canadians jersey and he's like, that's my montreal canadians jersey and i like that he has you know she breaks up with him and mm-hmm. about and all that and he makes no attempt to get her back later in the movie not like when he starts getting no just he, he moves yeah, out no. of, the, of interest it's good to go although to be honest this is kind of another situation where like i mean she's breaking up with him and when i watched the movie when i was younger it's like oh what a jerk and then i watch it now and i'm like he's been through 14 jobs in three months that's exactly i i wrote 14 jobs in three months is a lot like maybe she has a point (laughs) she might and then his only solution to the situation is do you want to have dirty sex yeah, maybe you'll feel better after we go ahead and <laughs> swing fences. <laughs> it's it's like uh, within the first five minutes, you you realize that the alternate title to this could be "How to Make a Bad Situation Worse" with your host Norm McDonald. Excuse me, Mitch. Mitch. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch Weaver. Mitch Weaver. Yeah. And well, I mean, speaking of that flashback in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's that same thing you have in a lot of movies where you're trying to get an SNL character or somebody from 
SNL into a movie is like we got to do a flashback and got to show that when they were a kid they mm-hmm. were the same precocious little shit they are as an adult <laughs> yeah right kids have so much more personality when they're written by adults although he he does get thrown into a dumpster like like a pro i don't know if that was just like a <laughs> right, yeah. shot or a kid stunt double whomever did that had some uh some kitchen work behind them because i've i've only ever seen trash bags arc into a dumpster that well oh yeah like i gotta wonder how many takes it took to get that that trajectory <laughs> right and we do a few you know standout performances mm-hmm. a couple of standout guest stars we mentioned previously you've got adam sandler playing yeah. satan although yes. we should probably clarify it's in a hallucination sequence that also features gary coleman gary coleman yeah who comes back later for another hallucination sequence you know th- those while those two um, scenes were rather surreal, one of the things that I did really enjoy about the movie is that it was tightly written. Um, small plot points that you found in the beginning got a resolution or were brought back near the end, um, except for the girlfriend. Um, yeah. So like, while while a lot of it is you know kind of some easy jokes, they come so quickly that like i'm pretty certain that any human being would 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 get lazy if you're trying to to cram that much into an 82 minute picture yeah it does feel like um 20 pounds of shit in a 10 pound bag so to speak (laughs) yeah absolutely but i mean a good deal of it can be some pretty funny shit yeah and uh another cameo that i really loved uh don rickles as (laughs) the theater owner yeah uh, he was he was laying into those theater workers like uh, like a Full Metal Jacket, which is oh, a pretty hilarious yeah. scene. I mean, I've never worked in the movie theater myself, but I mean, I mean, in your days, did you have bosses that like took it that seriously or like that geared up? Um, not that crazy, but uh, <laughs> there is yeah, there, there's a theater here in town. Um, that might still be managed by the same guy who takes his job quite seriously. Uh, so, <laughs> so I mean, he wasn't as crazy as like preaching Islamophobia, but well, yeah, he would ask employees to 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 join him to the local equipment rental place to get like the floor buffer when the place needed to be done. And he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm coming back at five in the morning, and I'm gonna buff it myself." The dude also owns a smaller movie theater uh, a few towns over in Marine City. So he's he's pretty serious about the the craft. But he's not calling you up and saying that Baskin-Robbins is down to five flavors because you ate the other 26. <laughs> no, no, he's not doing that, no. And, yeah, I, 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 I thought the... Uh, the Islamophobic joke was was pretty crazy because I, I mean at the time I do remember we were bombing Baghdad, but we were, we were a few years away from that becoming the uh, the national zeitgeist. Yeah, no, like hearing that kind of joke in a in a comedy film, kind of pre nine eleven, it did strike me as a bit unusual. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I, their revenge on him though was I, I'm not sure how I feel about it because they they're working this movie theater. And they mm-hmm. have like the big regional manager, whoever coming by. To, like, yeah. oh, everything's got to be. It's like we're cutting right into episode five of a 10 episode sitcom. <clears throat> right, right. Like, oh, no, this is the big sales pitch. You better not mess it up. And uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mitch decides to swap out the movie they're going to show for uh, an adult yep. film called Men in Black who have sex with each other. Yep. Yep. So it's a, a gay porno movie. And. I, I was curious, do they just have random porno reels hanging out in this booth? Because it's the same question. Why would it be in this theater? It's a family theater. <laughs> right. I've I've been in five movie theater booths now. And mm-hmm. never once did it just contain miscellaneous reels of any variety, let alone random porn flicks. More okay, so do do they just like tape this porn flick to the job with them because movies are i don't know the 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 standard runtime of 
an adult cinema production, right? So I, I can't I can't guesstimate. But if it's an eighty two minute movie like like Dirty Work is, that would have come in like two canisters. And those fuckers weigh like fifty ish pounds each. Mm-hmm. So it I mean this this is the one payback that that I didn't buy the believability on. Oh, this this stretched your suspension of disbelief. Okay. Absolutely. I just I couldn't buy this scene at all. <laughs> I've worked Although, in too many movie theaters for this shit, Bob. Honestly though, I think I would have to look at the screen. Well, yeah, that... I mean, already had to or um excuse Sam, Sam had to. Yeah, he had to make sure it was lined up. <laughs> That's right. All good projectionists know. I and if it's dude, if it's not lined up, they might burn down that theater and kill all those poor people. Oh yeah, I mean nowadays, I'm not sure what it's like with the digital projectors. Oh, you just—I uh, mean, it's yeah. as easy as plugging in a USB stick, baby. Hmm. It's it's yeah. extremely simple these days. We're talking a heavy, flammable, good old-fashioned film stock and some some high heat bulbs. So the last movie theater I worked in still had um, uh, a real projector, right? And they also had for, for digital listeners' clarity. For listener clarity, he means R E E L. Yeah, R E E L. Yeah, a um, thirty-five millimeter projector, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, I actually got to see at my last job uh, both ways, and I had a little bit of experience in projection booths prior. So they stuck me up there to put old uh, film reels together, which is simple and cool kind of work. Um, at any rate. Mm-hmm. movies nowadays are are shipped in like these sweet lock boxes and the studios send like keys well in advance and they just open up lock boxes. I mean, nowadays, I guess this was uh, what, 10 years ago I was, I was working there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to go from these, like if it was a long movie, these four huge tins that you'd have to put on an elevator and, and, and go run up some stairs after um, to just this like, lockbox that felt like a nuclear football like oh my god it's a new movie yeah the way technology kind of like that i mean multiple forms of media a bit of a tangent mm-hmm. but i think i think you helped one time when, when my mom was moving and she had that huge like 37 inch tube tv yeah and it took like three of us haul that into a truck nowadays with an hgtv you know i can just pick up a 56 inch tv with one hand <laughs> yeah right no problem <laughs> I, I do love how small technology has become. At any rate, oh, yeah. dirty work. Makes, I was going to mention another because um, they they do get into a bit of um, you know nineties homophobia with the whole oh yeah uh, as soon as they put the movie in looking away like it's radioactive and <laughs> right. things like hiring a dog to uh, to assault another dog and they're both boys and oh oh because it turns out that that German Shepherd was gay. Yeah. Or oh, the uh, the scene where Mitch is bearing his feelings to, to Sam and, you know, there's a little bit of dramatic irony going where the, the audience knows at this point that Mitch knows he's Sam's brother, but mm-hmm. Sam almost, well, no, not almost, Sam mocks him for, for sharing too much of his feelings. And I feel like it's really weird that you could say as many versions of the word horror in this movie but if you were to say i mean even the show's title movie buff bromance at that time it would be bromance what what do you whoa we don't do that around here right to, to quote to quote the film okay liberace <laughs> right right making liberace jokes in 1998 but that's all that's that's something yeah oh and another um Another guest star was a um, Rebecca Romaine. I believe I Rebecca Romaine plays the bearded, the bearded lady. Pla- That's right. I mm-hmm. knew. I knew. I knew her as soon as the beard was off. I just couldn't pl- place her. Yeah, yeah. They get a um, a circus performer who's a little person wants to mm-hmm. get revenge on the bearded lady because she is, you know, biased against little people and she's a mean alcoholic, and she tries to tries to come on to Mitch and she's like, you ever done it with a woman with a beard before you haven't lived. And he, he pulls out his tape recorder for one of the movies running jokes. He's like, note to self. 
I don't want don't wanna to live. live. <laughs> I I liked um Sam's response to her as she's walking away. Hey, what about me? And it it follows later on in the movie where he's arguing with uh Mitch essentially about how privileged mitch has been in life and one of the things he says to him is and you never have to pay for sex yeah <laughs> so i can only imagine sam in that situation is like i might not have to pay for this one i mean plus honestly rebecca remain in 1998 with with must i say an immaculately groomed beard <laughs> it, yeah it, it was better groomed than a good 90 percent of my my february beards See, so I like I don't know. That's but yeah, they end up they end up shaving her beard in the morning, and she wakes up screaming. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, how do you get revenge on a bearded woman? Shave it off. They have a couple of sort of revenge montages. My favorite one, mm-hmm. my favorite out of all the revenge scenes, is the one where this guy's talking about how his neighbors have like parties and they're they're up late all night and they're <laughs> yeah. always so loud, and he wants them to go take care of them and. So Mitch and Sam decide to plant a bunch of rotting dead fish inside this house. Mm-hmm. But while they're in the middle Which of planting it. Which you think is bad it, enough. Well, I mean, exactly. Like, oh, it's going to smell terrible. No one's going to yeah. live there. Right. Horrible. And then you and then, find out. Yeah, the owner of the house comes back with some company. They're not very savory company either, are they, Bob? I would dare say not. I can't remember. Are they doing uh, like a drug trade or weapons? Yeah, they're, they're trading. Uh, it looked like... Uh, cocaine weren't they like holding up a, a bag of it at one point yeah i was i was doing a bit of, a bit of painting on my side but i was rewatching it because you see that part of it and then one of the guys says it smells like fish in here yeah it smells like dead fish in here <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of well, an odd the place thing to say and the other mm-hmm. guy immediately suspects him of wearing a wire like, is that a code phrase are you a cop and uh, a shootout begins, but you don't see any of the shootout happen. It's just described to you through characters off screen screaming at each other over uh, sounds of explosions and, and gunshots and things like that. And it just, you just see Norm Donald and Artie Lang just standing there, frozen expressions, just each holding two fish as yep. things become progressively more horrific. Now, I yep. have a favorite line from this sequence, and that's, he stole my chainsaw and now he's using it on me. Now he's using it on me, yeah. <laughs> the, the the one high pitched character doing all the screaming there is is quite descriptive. He he gives you a nice vivid picture of what could be happening just outside the door. No bullet holes or anything coming into the to the room, you know, right on the other side of this some some drywall, right? Yeah. And they're just standing there holding some fish. Waiting for it to be over. And then when it is finally over, the, the neighbor who originally hired him shows back up. I didn't ask for all of this. <laughs> I mean, hey, we got to go real quick. You got that money? So, yeah, that like we said earlier, it comes very, very quickly. And uh, then it's it's gone. Plus, they have that. They have that really, like, wet sloshing sound effect for when they do leave that room to go eat <laughs> yeah. the house. Yeah, so it's they, all they shot footprints. It's all shot like waist up. You see like a couple bullet mm-hmm. holes and some some furniture yep. askew. But you don't see any gore or anything. It's just the no. sound of it and the reactions just sells it. They they gotta keep that PG thirteen rating. There I imagine one... Bob Saget sitting in his chair. Fucking Norm, mm-hmm. we gotta keep that PG thirteen rating, man. It's the studio norm, it's not me. Yep. I had a thought. I'm going to get back now. There we go. There is one joke or scenario in the film that I I find funny, not because of the context of what happens. It's just um, that they end up getting duped into wrecking this apartment complex. Right. By um, the evil Travis Cole, the business developer. Who's played by Christopher McDonald. Yep. Wonderful performance on his part. He's definitely someone yeah. I love to hate. Absolutely. You know, are the rich edible yet? <laughs> because god damn. That guy really and and I wondered while he was laying out his plan for the boys, right? Which which you were about to detail. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I got ahead of myself. Uh, but yeah, the reason that they um, got to go back two scenes here. <laughs> they they do end up getting some revenge on, on Travis Cole because right. in order to make room for a parking area for the opera house, they're going to be bulldozing down the sweet, innocent ladies' hall with a bunch of homes in the neighborhood. Yes. So they decide to pour a bunch of uh, popcorn kernels into the equipment. So that way, you know, just the popcorn kind of starts popping up. It's, it's a replay to something they did to a meter made earlier in the film. And they end up going to what I assume is honestly just like a holding cell. Cause it doesn't seem yeah. like they actually get in for a raiment or anything. No, but they sit down and, and, you know, Sam just seems bummed out because of the time they're going to lose trying to get the money. And Mitch is like, no, you, you know what happens? And you know what happens in prison? <laughs> yeah. And they never actually get to the point where any of the characters explain out loud what happens in prison. It's all just implied. Yeah. And I mean, they, they a couple of three big dudes end up walking up and they like, they point to Mitch and it's like, Come with us, skinny. It's like not you, yeah. Sam. They just step off screen for a minute, and like I, I'm not. It's difficult to frame because I'm not laughing at the fact that that stuff happens in correctional right. facilities. Like right. I do not think that that's a feature. I think that's definitely a problem that needs to be taken care of. But well, his just reaction like, to it. Oh, totally. Because he, <laughs> he, he doesn't seem that mad. <laughs> he seems mildly inconvenienced at at the most. I dare say he seems more galled by it than anything else. He's like, right. I'm out of line. Yeah, I've got, I've got half a mind to tell the warden. <laughs> right. But just this like is... dead hooker jokes in the '90s, prison rape jokes were a dime a dozen. Oh yeah, yep. Songs, jokes, sketches. Yep. That was. Uh... Yep. Man, any situation you could be in the middle of a. Sunday church sermon and say don't drop the soap and everybody would laugh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the worst possible venue for it. So, mm-hmm. and then they, they end up getting out of jail because uh, this Travis Cole played by Christopher McDonald. He kind of recruits them to to ruin this apartment complex. He right. says it's because everyone who lives there, like near do wells and drug dealers and one they kind of go along a, with uh, it. A house of prostitution, oh. he calls it. Yes, a house of a house of prostitution. That as as long as they pay their rent, he can't do anything about it. So he says he's going to give Sam and Mitch the fifty thousand they need all in one go, unless the building, building is condemned. condemned. Yes. So the fifty k they need to pay the bookie indebted doctor. Has has suddenly fallen into their lap, and he but does they're... make a, a good point, Doctor Farthing. When when they mention they're going to get the money, he he has a broken arm, mm-hmm. and he says, "You know, it's funny. Just when you owe a bookie a lot of money, <laughs> and they send someone, they break your leg. You still owe them the money. It doesn't seem fair. No, it really doesn't. You know, and that's such a." classic deadpan Chevy Chase delivery and it made its way into the trailer. Uh, yeah. that <laughs> You know, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't. That, oh, man, that man shouldn't still owe the bookie money. They took it out in, in, in pounds of flesh. Or at least get a discount or something. Right, right. Give That's me a longer payment plan at the very minimum. Sheesh. Can you negotiate down like a broken finger or toe? Right. Look, take all five fingers for 10K each. Have them. That, that sounds reasonable. That sounds like a five-finger discount. But, yeah, I mean, they're, and I got to talk about Pops for a brief bit here. Because, right. I mean, he's the one they're trying to, to help save. him with his heart. They're trying to save him. You know, he finds out that he reveals to mission he's his father. But he, he's a, a former boxer. Yep. And a classic dirty old man in the film. Absolutely. Yes. Like one of the first scenes you see him, I mean, after a quick intro flashback thing from when they were kids, you cut to Pops just sitting in a chair watching those aerobics 
VHS tapes yeah. that are only ever shown in movies when a perv's watching them. Yeah, right. I've I've never seen one of those in the wild. I'm sure they exist. Uh, so please do do not send them to me. Please send them right. to me. Um, <laughs> but they only exist uh, in in films uh, where they're watched by pervy old men. And this yeah. guy, you're right, classic pervy old man, like Master Roshi style. Um, subscribe to uh, Dirty. Oh, sorry, Impotent Old Man in Whores Magazine. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. And the first time you see Pops, he's given these two kids some some horrible fatherly wisdom. Uh, <laughs> don't take no crap or whatever. Um, much to the point that, you know, Mitch internalizes this to give a, a beautiful quote from Jesus. There are two kinds of people in this world. <laughs> those who get stomped on and those that do the stomping. And that could have only come from Pop, right? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Pop is the only one who, who, who could have brought that one in. And and another of his deplorable but hilarious antics is, in order to prove to Mitch that he is his father, uh, he shows him a picture in a locket that he's been carrying around, and the picture is Pop having sex with Mitch's mom, and. There's there's a wonderful reveal about this picture later on in the movie. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm talking you, you about. You cheated him. on this is yeah. This is when Sam's like, you cheated on mom. Did yeah. mom know? No, I didn't cheat on her. Who do you think took the picture? <laughs> so yeah, the, you know, can can we really fault this dirty old man for just being who he and life expected him to be? And it we come to find out it wasn't necessarily that 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 he was a boxer that was his calling in life, was it? true he's got a he's got a talent for opera no 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 no. <laughs> he was in stag films oh yes yeah yeah Back yeah in the day. <laughs> that's where i found my true calling in life oh you mean you started boxing no the stag films so he yeah, has completely just like generic dirty old man in a movie you know in hindsight that i'm so glad because when you you catch that scene of him watching the aerobics film, behind yeah. him they have a framed poster from one of his fights. <laughs> so I'm so glad it was that and not like a framed poster of one of his stag films. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I I'm pretty sure weren't those done like um, pretty under the cuff, like clandestine style. Yeah, probably pretty low budget. Probably not something that was getting shown in multiple theaters. I mean, it was no Men in Black right. no sex with each other, or something that you'd you'd even have a poster for. Yeah, <laughs> men in black who have sex with each other. Yeah, that was the name of it. Yeah, I think maybe many of old uh, old pops' stag films were a burn after watching situation. Do you think Men in Black who have sex with each other is an actual adult film? See, it's tough for me to narrow that down because I'm not about to search for it. But I feel like <laughs> yeah, the... I don't want that on my search history. I feel like if there wasn't yet, then there is now. Like it became defictionalized. Someone willed it into the world. I wish Norm Macdonald wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) How how awkward would a porno written by Norm Macdonald have been? I mean, just based on this, it would probably have a bunch of really witty dialogue, and then the stuff that happens between that would be kind of awkward. But, uh, but, uh, uh, oh, just have sex with me. That kind of well, stuff. Well, uh, well, uh, you know, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna want to go, uh, see about, uh, having, uh, a gay sex then. <laughs> that's, that's my impersonation of Norm Macdonald's cadence in this movie. Cause he wrote it, but he apparently didn't intend to star in it. I'm sure the, I'm sure the star of that adult movie would have to be Turd Ferguson. Oh, definitely. You'd wear the cowboy hat the whole time. For real. Hey, how did we make it this far into the discussion without bringing up Chris Farley? <laughs> True. He's got a great, I think, uncredited performance. He's not in the end yeah. credits. Yeah, I, I didn't see his is... name in the end credits. I don't recall if this was his last film or second to last. I did look it up, and it mm-hmm. it is his last film. Um, okay. His last credited role... Um, oh, what was that... Uh, western comedy almost heroes no pioneers comedy rather okay 
Was it the one where he was in? It was him and Matthew Perry though, wasn't it? Oh, I can't really remember. I I don't remember having watched that movie. Okay. I'm, uh, Am I thinking of John Candy's last movie? I'm all over the place. Oh, you're all right. But it's uh, almost heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. Yep. Okay. There we so, go. I I still got it sometimes. <laughs> that's his last credited role. Hmm. And yeah, yeah, almost heroes. Matthew Perry, Chris Farley. Yeah, here he gets he gets to portray Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Local uh, the, town drunk. Spends a lot of time at his bar. Stays over at the Y. Mm-hmm. And he has half of a nose. Yep. the The front half of it got bit off by you're you're never gonna believe it, mm-hmm. but an Asian prostitute. In this movie, Weird. no way. That came out of nowhere. Yep, right. Completely out of left field. Never saw it coming. He gives such a good amped up performance, though. And he he d- I of, mean, classic. His very first line is because Mitch is, is in the bar commiserating about the situation they had. And he's like, well, I guess it could have been worse. I could have got my nose bitten off by a Saigon whore. And then you just see the back of a head and it turns. And the first mm-hmm. thing you see, just because the way it's turning, is this stump of a half nose. And then Chris Farley's face. Yep. <laughs> and then you actually get to meet the uh, the quote unquote Saigon whore. There we go. That's what it yeah. was. Their uh, words. Their words, not ours. Um, she helps Norm pull off his first prank. Yeah, this this um live TV commercial, which is something that totally happens all the time. For an auto dealership ran by one David Ketchner? Ketchner? I'm not positive how that's pronounced. Yeah, I always butcher that one. Coach. Coach from Anchorman. Yeah! Plays a, a real piece of work who owns a uh, an auto dealership. Mm-hmm. Which uh, Kathy works at. And Mitch decides that, hey, you know, we're starting this revenge for hire business, and we want to get our name out there without having to spend a lot of money. Let's just hijack this live commercial. Because this guy's a you know class A asshole, I can get revenge on him and then get our name out there at the same time. Win win, classic win win. How could it ever go wrong? Right, just like I mean, everything else. By their metrics of success, I'd say it goes off pretty well. Mm-hmm. Oh, it totally course, goes off well. Because their plan is they take the bit of seed money they have. It was some money that um, Sam's sister gave them for their, their dad's operation. I believe, and they decide to hire a, wouldn't you know it, a bunch of local sex workers. Yep. And have them uh, sit in the trunks of uh, of a bunch of cars and pretend to be dead so that they could go to film this commercial for the auto dealership. And somehow, mm-hmm. I think it's Sam has a bunch of the key fobs to pop open the trunk. Yeah. And he just has them keep going off, and it's like, oh man, there's there's dead hookers in all these trunks. All the trunks had dead hookers. And then there's a, yet another trailer line. It's like the the one that stopped the movie in its tracks. It's when Mitch is like, I've never seen so many dead hookers in my life. And then it cuts to one guy offset behind the camera. It's just, Lord knows I have. Yeah, right. Classic uh, creepy guy performance. I, I don't even know who the actor is, but I feel like I've seen him everywhere as a creepy dude. Leather jacket, slicked back, uh, slightly gingerish hair. Mm-hmm. Although speaking I, of people I kind of recognize, I did like the um, the three homeless guys that are portrayed I by I think a bunch of SNL writers. Well, one of them was the dude who gave that is the worst answer, and all of us are now dumber for having heard it. He gave that monologue in uh, Billy Madison, James Downey. Yes, and he also did the um, the recurring deep thoughts with Jack Handy segments. Yeah, he did. He's got a signature voice. He's great at delivering long monologues. Mm-hmm. In this movie, whenever he does, everyone just kind of leaves when he's in the middle of talking. Yeah. Have um, have you ever actually pulled that one on anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I had a long-winded coworker once, and um, they were they were fixing an instrument at work, right? 
and their their work desk because they annoyed everybody ended up getting like put to where they were facing a wall and one day man he was just going on and on and on and so i left the department completely unannounced and went outside to smoke a cigarette <laughs> and when i came back one of my coworkers, uh they worked in the department with me was like oh my god you just pissed him off so bad he's in the back and yeah i, I, I didn't see this dude at all for the rest of the day um he got the fucking point so yeah i i actually when i saw that in this movie i i had my own personal chuckle because I've used that for some revenge before. That's the move. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a power move right there. Oh. I I yeah. still feel like a dick for that one. <laughs> one of the other things, one of the super 90s things about the movie, and not just the, the cynicism of the one-liners or whatever, uh, not just the soundtrack, which, like we've said, has yep. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, mm-hmm. Third Eye Blind, better than Ezra mm-hmm. Chumbawamba yep. was also the clothing, the wardrobe choices in this movie. Yeah. The problem the was growing up in the nineties, you didn't think the nineties had a look. Right. It totally did though. Oh yes. Not it bright definitely. colors, but just like strong colors. Yeah. A bunch of loose, like terribly oversized clothing. Yes. Like Mitch through this whole movie. Actually, most of the male main characters look like over, like just overgrown twelve-year-olds. Yeah, they do. I, I was always curious about why that look was so hot. Like uh, a double XL flannel over top the T-shirt that you're wearing, and it hangs down like almost to your knees. Yeah. Everybody looked so tiny in clothes. Maybe they were all designed by David Byrne. Right, you want to make your head appear smaller, so you yeah. make your clothes bigger. That's right. You could symmetry. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the wind must not have been as strong back then. Maybe it wasn't. Certainly not as strong it, as it is today. Today, if I came outside wearing that Mitch get up, I would be blown across my neighborhood. It'd be like your own personal parasail. Wee! <laughs> right until I hit a tree, that'd be a real good time. Absolutely. <laughs> Just don't aim for trees, man. Come on. If it was the 90s and you were carefree, you'd totally miss that tree. Drink oh, this yeah. nostalgia. You just phase right through it. There's not a whole lot going on in terms of... Because this is a very 90s movie. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really feel like 90s nostalgia when I'm watching it. No. Like, I mean, take me back a bit. But also, it's um, a little mean-spirited at times. Yes, it is. I still got oh, some solid all. laughs out of it. Um I also kind of like the the little I, I don't want to say the little joke, but where they're when they're driving by the movie line in the car, Mitch is like, movie line. So Sam goes yeah, as if they have some them. long-standing prank where every time they go by a movie line, Sam moons the the entire crowd. It's the go-to. They have a plan in mind for it, but I'm guessing right. it usually doesn't involve Mitch just stopping the car and getting out. <laughs> he just does it. Yeah. They're they're looking for jobs. It's not even like he went in to check like a, a help wanted sign. Like, and would you go check a help wanted sign if you were just strolling down the street that the business you want to work at is on, and you're blaring your horn while your buddy's got his ass hanging out the window? Like, is that really? Although they do they do work at a movie theater shortly after, so maybe they applied at the movie theater that has the line that Sam is mooning. Oh, true. They ended up on both sides of that equation. Yeah, right. Totally. <laughs> Although I will say this movie does have one good lesson during the jobs montage when they're in the construction site. Yep. And the foreman's going over all the information. and It's like, oh, it's going to be a 90 degree easement and blah, blah, blah. Mitch is like, ah, 90 degrees. That's, that's going to be a problem. You well, see, what's we, the problem? Uh, we lied on our, uh, on our application. We know nothing about construction. And they're instantly fired. But the lesson is, mm-hmm. always lie on your resume. Who is going to check? <laughs> yeah, they did get that job. Right. Just by looking the part. By the hard hat, the boots, you're set. Well, so once they start their own business, though, and they go to jail, um, 
they they get the attention of Travis Cole, mm-hmm. um, who the aforementioned homeless guys used to work for. And Travis Cole wants them to make a building condemned so that he can he can move all of all of his people out. And that one is probably the best revenge montage, uh, but it's set up extremely well. Yeah, they even have the dirty deeds by ACDC play. Yeah, absolutely. Like that that's exactly what you would expect in 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 this movie, you know, they're doing their dirty deeds. Mitch is always cheap. the consummate professional revenge getter. Sam <laughs> he leaves a lot to be desired because it it's such a rookie mistake. You never double check the cherry bomb. Don't go back for it. No, it's going to blow up eventually. Don't worry that's about a, it. Just leave it there. That is a set it and forget it. That's absolutely right. You shouldn't sit on that toilet. No, well, go to another apartment. There's <laughs> yeah, so many right. other ones in the area. Right, absolutely. Or use it doing? before you throw the chair. I'm going to stop right there. Touche. We don't want to give any future mischief makers any ideas. Oh, no, this is for entertainment purposes only. That's right. <laughs> We here at Movie Buff Romance LLC cannot be held responsible. <laughs> LLC. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing incorporated <laughs> about any of this shit. I was going to say, we, we don't even have an audience. <laughs> so it turns out that, that Kathy's grandma is, is running a business out of this building that's, <gasps> surprise, not even owned by Travis Cole. Like this guy, he did his own dirty work on these boys. Mm-hmm. And the the house of prostitution was actually a sewing business run out of Kathy's grandmother's apartment. Yeah, and, and I mean to the point there. Even if it was a brothel, like what business is it of yours, Mitch? What was that? Like what? What business is it of Mitch's if it actually was? Oh a right, brothel, right. The place, the place was clean. The women he himself, pretty clean. Not twenty minutes ago, hired prostitutes himself. That's true. Even if it wasn't for sex work, he still hired sex workers. Exactly. But yeah, it turns out to be a sewing business, and you find out mm-hmm. that oh man, these people aren't that bad. Travis Cole just wanted an excuse to take over a condemned property from yeah, uh, Mister anybody he Fitz- could. Is it Fitzpatrick? Kilpatrick? Fitzpatrick, I believe. I think. I think it is. Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick. There we go. Yeah. Kirkpatrick, who also owns the office that they rent. Yes. And if you're late on a payment, he'll punch you in the stomach. You know what? If my choice is having my shit thrown on the sidewalk or getting punched in the stomach. (laughs) I'm taking that punch. Yeah. Bring it on, man. Do what you gotta. Like, that's. I'm not sure my guts would care. Yeah, or they I mean, care a not, lot. They might not be a big fan of the arrangement, but yeah, I mean, beats being big beats being out on the street though. That is to say, I'm sure they'd care. Oh yeah, they'd have a vested interest in not being punched. Yeah, and they end up yeah getting this building condemned, displacing a lot mm-hmm. of people like Kathy and her grandmother. Yep, and. Uh, it's the classic. I mean, second act breakup, but it's sort yeah. of between. It's not quite between Mitch and Kathy or Catherine because because they're not Kathy. Kathy. Yeah, Mitch and Kathy. There's not quite a breakup because they haven't really been an item yet, apart from seeing each other a couple times. It's kind of a a comedy second act breakup between Mitch and Sam. Yes. Also, it's sort of a low point for everybody. Yes. But he gets a brilliant idea because the whole time this movie's been going on, Travis Cole's been building up this. Um, premiere of Don Giovanni at the Chelsea Opera mm. House. And Mitch gets an idea to bring everybody in, tries to give a big stirring speech to give all these now homeless people kind of reason to join him on his side. And he's like, are you with me? And there's no response. No, and he says, not really. are you with me based on the assumption that if this doesn't work, you can all kick my ass? Yeah! <laughs> well, I mean, they owed him an ass beating right there. So At least he, a punch in the stomach. Right, totally. He lucked out. Mm-hmm. And this is where you do get a lot of those convenient little payoffs. Absolutely, yeah. 
a whole bunch of them. The trippy brownies from earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, audio recorder for his notes to self end up having some confession yep. from Travis Cole on it that he's able to uh, to use as leverage. Yep. They pay off the Chris Farley's character Jimmy not having or only having half a nose. He's in charge of you know letting skunks loose in the theater. Right. And I think one of the more, um, no, not one of the more subtle ones. Like because another thing they do pay off at another point in the movie is the punch in the stomach thing because they set up that up in the beginning of the film, right. and then he gets them. Yep, it's Travis Cole. So it's it's yeah. almost you know like Kirkpatrick is the audience. You just want to pop this guy in the stomach, and he does it for you. So yeah, he yeah. gets his building back, and he gets one over on the bad guy. That's absolutely right. I kind of would want to watch a movie based on Kirkpatrick. I'd see that story. Yeah. Like, why did it become punching people in the stomach? And, like, how did he get the money to get all his properties? Because I kind of get some some vibes from him. Oh, man, he's got to be part of the mafia. A made some man, kind. excuse me. Yeah, he's got to be some kind of a made man at some, on some level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get some shady vibes from that band. But anyway, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna question it. I'm not gonna judge. No, no. It's like, hey, you know what? He does his business, I do mine. Mm-hmm. It works. You know, and Pops or excuse me, no no, it wasn't Pops. It was uh when when Mitch has the sudden realization that he should be helping these people, I thought it was kind of funny because Mitch is having a change of heart that results in Pops getting a change of heart. Uh, yeah. 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 That, that was pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, Kathy asks, what is wrong with you? And I just wanted to scream at my television. Bad parenting. Right. It's, you know, like that's completely the, the slacker subgenre. It's just a, a whole bunch of bad parenting all rolled up into one. And it all just kind of plays out like, yeah, like that. Somebody, you know, no motivation, no self-esteem. Yeah, I don't know what either of those things are. But like speaking of bad parenting and speaking of cameos from earlier, mm-hmm. his his mother is shown in a photograph where she's portrayed by Julia Sweeney from SNL. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That She actually made my list of SNL cast members uh, when I took notes from this one. So... It was nice to see her. Mm-hmm. I would not watch her in the Pat movie. <laughs> Things that probably didn't age well. Yeah, right. I'm not even going to venture a guess there. Or maybe so, I mean, it's is, is really well. Because oh, it's Pat? Pat, right? Yeah, it's Pat. Like, wasn't Pat just kind of ambiguous? Like a they? Yeah. So maybe it did age well. That's a possibility. We might have to look into it. And then uh, if we do an episode on it, then it may have aged well. And if we never speak of it again. (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely going to cut this one out. (laughs) Right. Uh, Is there anything else on Dirty Work you wanted to highlight before we give our uh, our scores or recommendations? Uh, Yeah, actually. It it had a blooper reel that I really liked. The 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 credits? Yeah, yeah, the and the final scene of it is is one with with Chris Farley, which I thought was kind of touching tribute, mm-hmm. uh, without being over the top or or even mentioning it. But I like blooper reels; they they feel like the the hidden track of '90s flicks. It is kind of like dessert after you've had your meal. Yeah, totally. Especially in a comedy. And speaking of ending mm-hmm. scenes, I can't believe I almost forgot this. They do that closing narration thing. Where it's like, oh, Pop's yeah. got a new heart, and I'm dating so and so, and then it ends on Doctor Farthing got murdered by his bookie. Yeah, so he's dead. He paid him, but they still <laughs> murdered him. Poor Doctor Farthing. Seem, it just doesn't seem fair. Doctor. Different movie. Sorry. So yeah, what uh, what rating would you give Dirty Work? Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's tough to recommend just because of how much of it, it is. just kind of doesn't, doesn't hit. Um, no, it doesn't. I was I was actually shocked to see uh, 
it's so high up in the popular movies list on IMDb at the moment. I think, yeah, I think a lot of that's down to timing right now. Yeah, right. I mean, it's got good jokes. It just comes off as really mean spirited. And uh, oh, totally. I mean, the guest stars, the cameos are the bright spots in terms of performances in the film. Yes. Norm himself is, I mean, he's just doing jokes. He's a great comedian. He's great at doing monologues and telling jokes. He doesn't like convey emotion or urgency well. No. Um, oh, I did want to point out, speaking of performances, that a reviewer did say that Artie Lang had, quote unquote, the charisma of a date rapist in this movie. <laughs> uh, it's not just in this movie. And, and Norm <laughs> was trying to cheer him up about it. And he said, hey, I mean, I take that as a compliment because like, a, you know, a, a date rapist has, has to actually get a date first. <laughs> Always look on the bright side of life. How the hell did Artie Lang outlive Norm MacDonald? I'm sure that's a that's a question a lot of folks are asking. Although, you know, I'm glad we still have already with us. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but yeah, I guess if I had to give Dirty Work a score out of five, I'd probably get two. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. It's um not aged very well. I think that, like you said, Norm Macdonald, he's not very urgent, which is funny because the jokes are very fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of the mean-spirited humor and uh, the language just doesn't translate well in today's era. And I, I do even remember thinking way back in the day, they're kind of all a bunch of jerks. Oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. One thing that I did did kind of think was pretty funny about the overall sense of the movie is that um, obviously unintended consequences is a big moral of the movie, right? Um but all of the characters kind of seemed to exist to serve a point. And that point was just to make things like a bad situation worse as if all of them were really just there to, to, if there was at least one thing or one person they could make things worse for that, that is what would drive them. They would just shit all over a person completely. So, you know, in, in that sort of mindset, yeah, it's it's a pretty damn mean-spirited movie. Yeah, it could be tough to develop empathy for characters if it's a world full of assholes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And you know, like it's one thing to to beat the hell out of your characters to get empathy out of your audience. It's another to to ask your audience to have empathy for people that just completely dump on everybody all the time. So, do you really want to root for Sam and Mitch to be able to pay this crooked doctor you know like it (laughs) but it is just such a a giant rolling ball of of garbage that you know the momentum carries it it can and it does i mean Mm -hmm. for how much is packed into it and how short the movie is though it's it it goes by pretty quickly you know we are actually running pretty close to the movie's runtime ourselves (laughs) just in discussing it does it right. warrant that much of a discussion? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. 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 Learn something along the way. Of Absolutely. course. Always Absolutely. lie on your resume. All right. So <laughs> I asked you a question recently, and yeah. it was I actually asked a couple other people the same question at the same time. Uh, your favorite 90s comedy. You picked Dirty Work. Do you still think it's your favorite 90s comedy? No. No? Okay. No. <laughs> so favorite 90s comedy. I am not sure what's going to supplant this one. I got to go back and watch some other ones. Honestly, an underrated classic. I'm going to say Wayne's World. Yeah. Okay. Going to dial that back in. Where did you, where did you come in on the favorite '90s comedy? Uh, basketball. Yes, that's a good time. Uh, I have watched it in the last few years. I I, I absolutely think it holds up. Um, is the humor, I mean, it's, it's an uncut episode of South Park is what the humor is. Um, but (laughs) I, I actually laughed at myself, um, because of basketball, the older I get the party scene at the beginning where they're meeting with all of the, uh, the successful people from high school and, oh, you still just hanging out playing Nintendo. 
well, if I'll have you know, I'm a doctor and I'm training for the Olympic Games. And <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm actually still just hanging out playing <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I think basketball kind of held up better than this one. I feel you there. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of uh, 90s comedy, speaking of, of Norm MacDonald, is there anything that you wanted to shout out as a specific like uh, sketch or moment from an interview or weekend update thing that you think is uh, pretty iconic for Norm? I mean, iconic, definitely. You know, his entire run on Saturday Night Live, he did some awesome things. Um, the Celebrity Jeopardy run where he was Burt Reynolds was awesome but Hmm. even beyond um snl i remember thinking the norm show was was pretty hilarious like what was that 2000 2001 ish and uh i even paid attention to his his podcasts a bit and i thought he was one of the funniest men on the planet so it's it's certainly very sad to to see him go and i i felt like like my sense of humor was being attacked for a minute because I was a big fan of whitest kids, you know, so Trevor Moore and then Norm MacDonald, it was almost as though two of the most observant pairs of eyes in the world were suddenly cut off. And there, there are two lenses with which allowed a lot of people to see the world with a, uh, a great palette of humor. Um, yeah, those those pairs of eyes are suddenly gone and those lenses are no longer operable. So it's a great disservice to the entire world of comedy. And I don't know. Well, how about how about you? Anything from from Norm's career that stands out to you? There are two big standouts for me. One of them I, re- I recommend everybody check out. It's um, Norm Macdonald on Conan O'Brien telling uh, the moth joke. <laughs> I'm Norm- not going to spoil it, but I'm going to say it was supposed to be a 20 second joke <laughs> yeah. that due to time requirements, Norm had to stretch out to a seven minute joke and the way he commits to it is fantastic. Uh, he commits to some very long jokes and anytime, like any of Norm's performances, cause that's really what they are. Any of his performances mm-hmm. on a late night show. Oh my, Oh gosh. There's one with, um, I can't even remember the actress's name now, but she's talking about um, a Carrot Top movie that she's in. Chairman of the Board. Chairman of the Board. Yes. A.K.A. Box Office Poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I know what it's going to be called. Box Office Poison. Yes. It's got Carrot Top in it. Oh, man. All right. So what was the other one? The other one is on Norm MacDonald at the Roast of Bob Saget who directed this mm. film because yeah. it's a comedy central roast everybody's busting out the same tired mean-spirited yep. dirty jokes yep. a lot of them skew homophobic and that's its own thing and then norm comes up there and he starts telling jokes from an old 50s joke book and yeah you can tell he had a lot of respect um a lot of respect for bob saget and uh just a caring guy yeah yeah great comedy talent was that was he the one that kept insisting Bob Saget raped and murdered a woman in 1993, or was that uh, Gilbert Godfrey? I think it was Gilbert because Norman okay. was very was very clean. Yeah. Okay. All like, right. Clean enough to the point of that almost being the joke. But well, I'll, I'll have to go watch that now. I would say yeah, give it a, give it a shot. Um, that's going to be a wrap for us talking dirty work. Join us next yeah. time. When movie buff romance enters the matrix starting with an episode on the original film the matrix and then uh, afterwards checking out the franchise as a whole yeah i'm really excited for this there's a lot to dig into a lot of meat there it's going to be it might be mm-hmm. our first proper triple header oh that'd be great so for movie buff bromance i hope everybody have themselves a great night i'm bob and i'm jr have a good one good night <laughs>